welcome to a new episode of Chocolate with a Side of Medicine. And I am one of your hosts, Dr. Chris, and I am joined by my lovely co-host. First off, Amy Jo, MD. Hey, what's up, y'all? <laughs> we got Dr. No-No in the house. Hey, y'all. And then last but not least, we got Dr. Sunshine. Hey, lovely people. And as always, we want to thank you all for all of your support and your questions. Y'all so, keep coming back, so we're going to keep doing this. So. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. So anyway, guys, I want to start off and ask, like, how's everybody's day going, week? How you guys doing? What's going on? Well, I got that fresh retwist, so I'm always nice. I'm always about fresh. my so my um, therapy is whenever I go to the hair salon. I think the best part is just like the massage you get when you get your hair done or hair washed, and oh my god, it was it was amazing. Like I I've been neglecting it for a couple. Of, I'm not even gonna tell you how long, but either way. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, that's, that's not even important. That's not even important. I've been trying to DIY it at my house, and I'm just like, no, nah, it's it's not cutting it. So I just need someone else to like do their do their work. And the person I've been going to ever since I moved to Chicago, she always does an excellent job. And oh my god, it was it was great. Like that, I don't need a spa. I just need to get my hair done, and I'm good for the rest of the week. There's nothing like somebody else doing your own hair, though, right? Even if you oh, can do it yeah. yourself, it's nothing like somebody else. Mm-hmm. washing and conditioning and just doing your hair you're like thank you bless you. <laughs> bless you that is amazing i'm glad that you got a little self-care in oh i'm double yeah, vaccinated yeah. today i forgot i got my my third oh. covid shot you and i got my flu yep. girl wow. me wow 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 my arms will be hurting tomorrow but we'll see you still got the band-aids i took them off as soon as i got home <laughs> Yeah, I still got my bed days. I'm champion. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I didn't hit, been hitting both. both arms, you know? Right. right. She didn't even do one arm. She did both. Okay. I did both. Not one. I did flu shot in one arm and COVID in the other. And I was like, let's get them both today and let's keep it moving. <laughs> you like double fisting. <laughs> right. I want to. Right. I'm double fisting, but different ways. I remember double fisting meant different things, right? For me, like, you know, but these weren't red cups, these were injections. <laughs> Um, Red but yes. cups, so you know oh, it's real. <laughs> so yes, I did. I did get my third my third dose today. Um, Yay! And then uh, um, V safe, V safe. Mm-hmm. So V safe. Listen, V safe kind of played me a little bit, y'all. So V safe sent me a check in. Normally, they send you a check in like, "Hey, how you doing? Are you fine? Has anything changed? Um, are you pregnant? You know, like I think they're trying to catch you know all those different cases so they can try it." So this time, Be Safe was like, uh, maybe like a week ago, was like, hey, let's check in. And they were like, uh, did you get your did you get your vaccine? Like, well, how many you've gotten? So I could not answer that I had not gotten my third dose. Like, there was no button to pick, like, how I got my third dose. Be Safe was like, but did you get your third? Check here if you got your third. You didn't get your third? We'll check here when you get your third. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> where's the no button? In. Right. You told me to check in. I'm, I'm checking that? in. Like I can't check in with two anymore. Like right. there was not a button there, and I was like, "Okay, I hear you, CDC. Like I'm going." Like you're a failure. You're a failure. Yo, <laughs> I could not find a way to check. Like I'm say I feel good, but I haven't got my third one. Like there was right. literally no button. No. It was like first was already filled because they had that one. Second was already filled because they had that one. The only option was, but when was your third? And right. I was like, "Oh, so <laughs> you're trying to say that I'm slacking?" So right. yes, 
I, no, um, they basically said you're not going to slack around here, right? Right. Because <laughs> you can't, you can't choose any other option. No so option. So you need to so come back, come back when you got the third dose. So like, <laughs> I straight up, you know, went back to the site and was like, "But I got it today." And so yes. And they did. Did they tell you good job? They did. They they gave me the little. Um, then they gave me back the original. You know, sheet like you know which smiley face you pick. You know, happy face. You know, sad face. I was like, so happy you face. Able to move on. Mm-hmm. The pain, the pain, the pain faces. Like, yes, yeah. definitely got the happy face. Um, but you know, so I'll tell you how I'm feeling. Uh, ask me, you know, ask me a little bit later. They vaccinated everybody at your, at your job, like inpatient, outpatient, everybody in the network you're in. Yes, everybody in my network is is eligible. Obviously, you know, everybody is not getting it, but um, mm-hmm. you know, right now is a big you know flu shot push. So I think we all have to be um have to have our flu shots by the end of the end of October or something like that. Mm-hmm. Get your flu shot, people. Great plug. Get your flu shot. Yeah. So I was like, if I'm gonna get stuck, just stick me twice. So we can get it out the way. Um, Today's a day. Knock it out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I want. I want the extra. I want the extra um, IGGs. Um, so let's let's get it. Social media is back up today. You could you could you could post it and put your little. I could post it, but let me tell y'all something. When social media goes down, we have a website, y'all. <laughs> Thechocolatemds.com will get you back to all of our content so if social media ever goes down we're always here you know because we're physicians we may be personalities but we're doctors okay so we're always here (laughs) all right so the next time you are looking for a way to get at us go to our website you can get all of our episodes you can still submit your questions your concerns like you can check us out old new anything if it's here it's there so we're never going down yeah, I was like, listen, the, as long as the internet is still up, our website is up, yep. Gmail's still up, listen, we're good. We're here for you. And to be honest with y'all, if the entire internet were to ever crash, that's probably the end of days anyway. Real talk. <laughs> right. if, we, if the whole internet is like the whole internet worldwide, that means we're all we're all goners. Yeah. It's like, it's revelations. It's fine. I'm right. <laughs> oh, Don't look for me. I'm out here surviving. But listen, <laughs> if that were really happening, that'd be like apocalypse. Like, I wouldn't know what to do. Like, I'd be like, where do internet. I go? Like, I wouldn't know how to get to where I go to every day. What am I going to do? Put it in the glove box like we all used to do. We used to print out MapQuest before we went anywhere. No. Yo, you that's... know, I would be that person. I'd be that person that be like, oh, the internet's down? Dang, can I even call my job? I can't even call y'all and let you know I can't come in. <laughs> They'd be like, really, though? But you don't know how to get to work? Mm. be like, no, nope. I still have an atlas. <laughs> I still have an atlas. In my... Yeah, I still carry an atlas in my car. <laughs> Wow. I think it was it was real old and like I just never unless unless I threw it away when I got my when I, I just bought a car not too long ago. So it was in my old car for like years and I saw it and I hope I did not throw it away because it was my intention to keep it. But I felt I was under some pressure because people were shaming me for all my boxes that were still in my house and you know I was trying to throw some stuff away so I hope I did not because I am not ashamed to keep an atlas in my car and if I did throw it away I'm gonna go buy another one but I mean pardon pardon my uh my ignorance but I thought an atlas was like isn't it just like maps of like the world and it's not like zoomed in maps that you yeah can- no you can get one for like each you know you can get one for the highways like you know it'll be maps really? like yeah Yo, when I think of an atlas, I think I, I think I feel like an atlas is like maps of like the world. If I was just like the whole continent of Africa, like 
the atlas, like you could you could go by state, you know, like let's say you were on like I don't know, I-95, and you're like, man, where's this gonna take me? Like mm-hmm. the book, a book of atlases will ha- show you like, okay, I'm traveling here. You can see all the exits. Like it was it was Google Maps before you had Google Maps. So it's Google Maps on paper. Ah, Chris, you need that. Yeah, she for sure needs it. Cause she stayed running out of battery juice and getting lost. So just No, Chris don't even know how to read a map though. Chris on Chris ain't even find North. But this is not hard. You you turn to the state that you're in, you find the highway that you're on, and you just follow it. I'm like, listen, the sun rises in the east, it sets in the west. Chris be like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just not sure. I'm not really good with directions. You know how I figured out my way in New York on the highways based on what airport I'm going to, okay? Because I live mm-hmm. by JFK, so if if it says JFK, I know I'm going home. <laughs> whatever it takes. Listen, whatever it takes to get home. It's okay. I, always Listen, get you home. Survived, I would always get home. You survived in Queens for that long, so I think you're fine. I'm okay. If Queens, I would get if home. Queens, if Queens ain't take you out, North Carolina ain't going to take you out. You good, bro. If you can have it in New York, you're good anywhere else in the world. Let's get into some trending topics, y'all. All right. So the first thing on the agenda. So I've been following, um, I'm sure y'all know, King James. And he recently came out um, onto, I believe it was ESPN. And people were asking about his vaccination status. And, you know, he's been really kind of mute about it for the past couple of months. So people are like, is he vaccinated? Is he not? Like, why isn't he telling folks? So he came out and actually said that, yes, he is vaccinated. And he actually said what was, I think, a point of contention was that he's not encouraging people to do the same. He's just saying that it's not his place and that people know what's best for their bodies. So I was like, all right, that's that's an interesting viewpoint. But I wonder what you guys you know, thought about that statement. And, you know, do you think celebrities do have a pivotal role in encouraging others to get vaccinated? Like, do you think it's their place? Do you think that they have a if they have a wide enough platform, you know, knowing that this virus is still out there and affecting our communities, you know, do they have like a civic duty to be able to encourage others to go out and get this vaccine? Before I respond, I'm going to add a little perspective for those who are not big sports followers. I'm going to add a perspective for you, Dr. Nono, in case you don't know why this is a big deal. So when it comes to star players and their longevity in their career fields, This is mainly also relating to Tom Brady and Tom Brady and his statements about getting vaccinated and how he got the entire Tampa Bay Buccaneers team vaccinated because Tom Brady was like, I'm here to get rings. Do you want rings? Do you want them with me? I'm getting vaccinated. If you don't get vaccinated, you don't need to be on my team. And the whole team, they were like the first NFL team to be like 98, 99% vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And it kind of showed the power of like someone who wants to win championships, wants to continue winning championships. Are you on board or not? So then now that the NBA season is starting, they asked LeBron about this, but it's kind of all in the shadow of like, of what's gone on in the NFL as well. So that's kind of how we got here in case people don't really know that background. But I, since I follow the NFL heavy, I'm just letting you know that that's, that's how we got here. So okay. I do have thought. I do have, I do have thoughts, but I'm gonna let Amy Jo go. There's first so many thoughts about this. Um, uh-huh. I am not faulting anyone who is trying to avoid getting you know, just demolished about their medical knowledge when they're not healthcare professionals, right? 
Um, so I think that you can be as I think that athlete, I think anybody can be as aggressive or non-aggressive as they want to be while they're doing um, things that really medical communities recommend to keep you safe. Right. I think his statement that he's gotten vaccinated, uh, that it was a choice that he made to keep himself safe as possible, knowing the kind of job that he has, knowing how he was going to be coming into contact with people. And that's what he decided to do. I think his testament, you know, stands firm as to what it is, whether or not he encourages the masses to do the same thing. He's not really on the hook for doing that. Right. If he feels comfortable enough, he's, you know, gained enough knowledge and he feels like he can wax poetically about, you know, the benefits and disadvantages to vaccine vaccinations, what he was concerned about, the research that he did. Google searches do not count then by all means. But I can't fault anybody for saying, like, listen, all I know is that medical community suggested I get vaccinated. I didn't want COVID. So I went ahead and got it. I can't be mad at King James for that. Go ahead, LeBron. Thanks you get thank you for getting vaccinated. So there's that. Yeah, um, I agree with you, Amy Joe. Um, I when I heard that he made that statement and he said that, I was like, okay, cool. Like I like you said, I don't really think it's necessarily his job to encourage people to necessarily do it. I mean, if you felt comfortable to do it, sure. Um, but kind of feel like in the sense that that was his decision. That's what he wanted to do. Okay. Um, yes, I do feel that celebrities can use their voice to help promote certain things, right? But I also feel like they don't necessarily have to. Yeah, I also think, you know, as a, as a former student athlete, you know, and um, I, I, got, I got the opportunity to go back to, a, um, to my alma mater, uh, a very large very uh, sports-heavy university to talk about the importance of vaccinations. And I remember being a student athlete and things like flu shots. Like, we got flu shots every year. Like, just what you did as a team, right? They came out. You went and got your your flu shot with your team. And so I think vaccinations in athletics is not a foreign concept because they come up all the time. And so now you're having athletes having to discuss – you know, vaccines in context of the general population. And so the worlds are very different, right? You know, like you get them because, listen, is that going to keep me, can I stay healthy? Is it going to keep me on my feet? Is it going to keep me on the court? Cool. Vaccinate me. It's not been a problem. So for the four or five years I was a student athlete in college, I was vaccinated because it's what you did to stay in your sport. So I think for athletes, you know, the reason why it's become a big deal now is because of all of the the social media, all of the political involvement, all of the, you know, fanfare that has surrounded the concept of getting a vaccine. But that is not used to not be a big deal for athletes. So kind of making that more broad of a statement. So I, I just picked LeBron because he was the most like, you know, he was on CBS, um, you know, the featured topic on CBS News and they were talking about his statements. But I mean, honestly, this can be spread out to all celebrities. So, you know, celebrities have like a platform of millions of fans or followers, you know, when they make statements that pretty much go against like us in the medical community, like what we're recommending, that can really have a, you know, detriment effect on, you know, what our recommendations are for vaccination, for healthcare, and just for, you know, general stuff. Like, you know, kind of taking a 180. So instead of King James, look at what Nicki Minaj said 
about her friend, you know, getting like the, it looks like a blue ball and like it's situation. Like, I, I don't know. It was like her testes. Well, if you're gonna, if you're gonna dig us into this hole, it was Nicki Minaj saying that she has a cousin in Trinidad and her cousin in Trinidad's friend had swelling of his balls <laughs> yeah, after the COVID yeah. vaccine. Now, mind you, none of this makes any sense. He probably had an STD. His girlfriend left him shortly after that and canceled a wedding. Oh, Dr. Nono, Dr. Nono dug us down on this deep old right. niche. But I get what you're trying right. to ask. But I think that's very different. No, that's no. very different than than, than a is. celebrity saying, hey, I got vaccinated. I'm trying to get ready for my season. I'm trying to keep myself safe. Whether you do it or not is on you, but this is what I did. That's different than telling tales about a friend of a friend who you heard this one time had had this side effect from something <laughs> that you don't know what actually happened, right? Unless Nikki was out there cuffing his man's balls, and I don't think she was. <laughs> unless she wants to tell us more about the story right <laughs> then we don't know what happened to that man's balls it could have been anything right that's way right. different than somebody saying i have a test testament to the fact that i took a vaccine because i thought it was what was best for me in my field of work whether you do it or not i can't make you do that but this is my story those are not the same i don't count right. those as the same right i don't count your personal testament as people getting on to be like well i heard this one time well i just i just want to draw that dichotomy because i know some people were comparing those two figures and like what they were saying so that that is what i wanted to now what's 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 very interesting about that is in i guess <laughs> this just shows how different our worlds are. So in Dr. Nono's world, there's like the LeBron James discussion and then there's the Nicki Minaj discussion. But again, giving more sports context, since you did bring up LeBron, the reason, again, why this is such a big deal is because people were, they were getting on LeBron and they were grilling LeBron and they were basically reaming him for not exuding his his position on the team in the same way that Tom Brady did. Right. Now, I and and I just want to put this out here. They are like championing Tom Brady like Tom Brady is like the pioneer of science and he's like Fauci's homeboy. Like that's not what happened. Tom Brady is like I'm old, my career is ticking, I can get you another ring. And if you don't get vaccinated, I have the pull to get you off this team and we'll get another tight end, running back, somebody who can do your job, who is vaccinated. And it's it's, it's really about Tom Brady. But I feel like the story is kind of spun for him to be like this pioneer of like COVID vaccination. So I think there's a lot of twisting the story here. And then now they're looking at LeBron like, well, do you see what Tom Brady did? Do you see what Tom Brady did on the Buccaneers? Like, aren't you going to do that for the Lakers? Like, why, why, why aren't you propelling your team forward the way Tom Brady propelled his team forward? Like, why isn't your team 100% vaccinated? So it's all this, like, why aren't you doing this because of your celebrity? Like, why aren't you? But I kind of feel the same way Amy Jo does. It's like, yo, he's entitled to just, like, live his life and make his own decisions and, like, go about his day. Like, he doesn't have to take the Tom Brady route because the Tom Brady – Listen, Tom Brady's a whole nother. Uh, right. Listen, because I don't even like to touch on Tom Brady too much. Like, I respect him as an athlete. He's amazing. But I have got my own problems with Tom Brady. So, listen. But they're basically making that mold out to Reem LeBron for not using his celebrity in that way. And I think that that's different from Nicki Minaj. Because Nicki Minaj, she has, that's a whole nother separate thing. Well, see, the thing is, it's now LeBron said that you shouldn't get vaccinated. He didn't say anything. He said, I mm -hmm. did. He didn't tell you you should or you shouldn't. Like, he just said, right. I did. That's it. Right. And I, I think, I'm just telling right. you that what I did. And, and I think everyone that should make their own informed decision. Right. 
his testament that he got it is sometimes enough. Yeah. Right. Like when, I think when, that's fine. When doctors initially, when, when we were all on this big campaign for you know getting people vaccinated, one of the things that we were doing was just simply posting that we had done it too. Hey, right. I got mine. Period. Yeah. So I, I I think that's you know even as healthcare providers, some of us that was the only thing we contributed. It was like I am not going to be out here in these streets fighting with y'all about. <laughs> urban legends <laughs> myths tales you gonna get this good post band-aid check car check yeah. i got That's mine Go get i agree yeah. i agree but lebron's not but lebron's not a villain because he's not he's getting not. the whole yeah. he's not propelling the whole laker team to be vaccinated like that doesn't make him less of a leader or the villain because he's not you know, asking Carmelo, like, hey, yo, Carmelo, you coming? Hey, yo, Westbrook, you coming? Hey, yeah. yo, 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 where, where's Davis? Wait, you you here? Like, like now. And they and, always do that to LeBron, though. They always do that to LeBron. They do. But the whole thing is, too, like, even with some of my patients, like, they even just asking me if I got vaccinated and I just tell them that I did and my reasoning for it, regardless of the science behind it, that tells them, okay, well, my doctor did it. I guess I'll do it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, I didn't even have to go through the whole spiel and necessarily just the fact that I said I did it. That makes them feel comfortable to do it. Yeah. You know, and right. sometimes that's all it is it's at the end of the day. And I tell everybody, read, do your research. I don't know what that but, means for people. That's that's all we ask. Like, I mean, whatever you do. And if you need to come to us with questions about what you research, because again, <laughs> you know, that's, that's you don't what know what that do. means to people. No, I, mean, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know what that when people be like, I got to go do my research. What they mean is they finna call a couple people right, and be yeah, like, hey, it. what you think? That ain't research, right? That that's ain't not, that not. ain't no double blind study. You know what I'm saying? No. Like, that's not research. And, and just say you scared. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. it's fine. Like, yo, listen, I'm scared. I want to I wanna bounce this off a couple people to see. But they be like, I'm going to go do my research. And, and, and in the back of my head, I'm like, <laughs> what does that mean? You gonna ask? You're you standing ask. in front of a doctor, right? Right. They're telling you what it is. So, if you're gonna leave out of the clinic <laughs> to go do some research on some vaccines, and when I'm like, okay, where are you gonna read? And like, I don't know. I want to just check. And I sometimes I ask because I'm curious. Like, what does that mean to people? Most of the time, I get, well, you're not just gonna go read the internet and you know, kind of see. When we know we have been very clear. Listen, we had this big bombshell that Facebook and Instagram been out here giving y'all false hope and false prophecies this whole time. And so when people are walking out, like, yeah, I'm gonna go check. I'm gonna go do some research. What they mean is, I remember seeing a, a Facebook post. I remember seeing this Instagram post. Somebody vaccinated. I can't remember what it said. But I want to go read that real quick before I make a decision about getting the vaccine. And you're sitting in front of a whole physician that can provide you information about whatever questions that you have, but they will still walk out to myself and they're going to go do some research. That tells yeah. me immediately that you. Right. So the what are we doing? That. They're scared. They're scared. And they haven't. They're just, they're just scared. And that's okay. Some people, I have some people that will be like, listen here. I'm just nervous. And I'd be like, well, listen, okay, I get it. I don't want you in here sweating bullets trying to get the vaccine because we're here, right? We're here. The vaccines are now in our clinic. So we can do nurse visits. We can do, we can, you can do your next appointment. My job is to make sure that I'm keeping you safe. And if we don't get you this time, maybe you'll be open to it next time. So there's no pressure here. Um, 
So you you're not obligated to leave and have gotten the vaccine, right? right? And so there's there's no pressure when I'm talking to patients in the clinic. But I don't understand where they're going to do this research because if research means a Google search, um, that that can take you so many places, right? Listen, I've been searching for stuff that I'm looking for and done a Google search like this is not right. Like, what am I reading? <laughs> and if I didn't know, yeah, and, and not just about vaccines, <laughs> right? I mean, we, we've all been there, right? Like, right. Uh, you know, but, but whether medical school, residence, you'd be like, I got to figure out what this is. You like trying to get the answer real quick. So you like Google search it and you're like, oh yeah, you're reading this article and you're like, wait a minute, this is some lies right here. Like, where did this article <laughs> come from? It looks so official. Like, I was fooled for a second until I read this line so I'm like listen they be putting bad information out here in these streets um but no no's been no no's been trying to say something for a while no no go ahead (laughs) so I really some of the people like who say they want to do their own research believe that doctors are a a complicit party to the pharmaceutical companies so saying that we get kickbacks for recommending whatever vaccines that they give out let me tell you I have never seen a single cent from Pfizer, Moderna, or j and J, I am doing this because I care about y'all. I don't want you to get sick, and I don't want you to die from COVID, which I have been seeing since the beginning of this damn pandemic. So I, there is no no doctor out there um, is not is collecting kickbacks from recommending these vaccines. This is through peer-reviewed research and also through multiple studies that have shown that these vaccines are safe. And we, that is the reason why we are recommending them to you, because we do not want to see any more people die from this virus when it is completely preventable with this vaccine. So that is, that is my caveat with that. And but if I was getting kickbacks, y'all would know. Yo, I, I would be telling it. Kickbacks, I would be balling. Instagram would be lit. Like, where y'all think this money come from? I'll be blinging every day, and they'll be like, "Dang, people gotta wear shades." Amy, Amy, Joe would be like, "Do y'all want to hear about my new J's? Y'all want to hear about my J's?" Right. Oh my God. These right. these new J's are sponsored by Pfizer. <laughs> oh, and, and, and it will be in glitter too. You know what I'm saying? Moderna. Yo, let me get right. that new Everybody Maserati rolled up into my garage, and that new right. house. Listen, oh, Everybody, you know, I couldn't find these original uh these original uh mics from you know. Game one, but I called Moderna and uh, they came through for me. Shout out. I'll be tagging them in my Instagram. Shout out to Moderna for making this happen. You know what I'm saying? He's had to be a good 3,500 or something, but I appreciate you, Moderna. Good looking out. Right. That would not be a thing. I would let y'all know. But instead, it's just me and my my regular coins, right? So when I spend them, they run out until, you know, I got to go back to work to replenish that. So. Um, and the way my student loans are set up, that tells me I'm not getting any kickbacks because I got way too much student loan money still on the on the books to be getting kickbacks. Kickbacks. <laughs> and with that, let me. <laughs> I'm dying over here. Oh my god! Now right. my Allen Iverson kickbacks. <laughs> kickbacks. 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 We're talking about kickbacks. Kickbacks. <laughs> out of uh, here oh my god all right so the next topic i have not the research but kickbacks <laughs> stop it, my stop it. <laughs> you just started something now oh my god uh, i'm like crying over here so i'm sorry oh. all right so the next topic i have so essentially it kind of like mirrors what our last episode was about fertility 
So I actually found this really good New York Times article about the best places to have babies. Mm. So Grant, take this with a grain of salt. This is they use a bunch of metrics to like determine where would be the possible best place to have a baby. Granted, this is not, you know, based in any sort of like extensive research. This is just like what their metrics showed and what they posted. So I just I was just curious and a fun, you know, experiment to see kind of what states that they chose. So Oh, states in the United States? I thought you meant yes. other countries. No, no, <laughs> so with that, US is not even hitting the top. It's not. 20. It's not. That's why I was I was right. waiting for you no. to tell me about all the other countries. You no, mean, like- the US so I, I hate to break it to you, the US is not number one in baby making or obigyne care or nothing. It's it's very it's actually for a developed country, we are actually very low in terms of those outcomes um, for multiple reasons, which we will probably get into a different episode. But for the purposes of this trending topic, I just want to give you guys the metrics and then we can discuss about, you know, what states not or did or should have made the list or whatnot. So in the first category, essentially medical costs, early child care, health care premiums and babysittings, those are all compared between the different states. In addition, healthcare was examined with data on hospitals, medical professionals, and fertility clinics, in addition to rates of COVID-19 testing among those clinics. Uh, Overall, infant mortality, low birth, and preterm births were also tested. And the last category was the baby and family friendliness. So like weighted uh, birth rates, parental leave policies, and the number of mothers and uh, child care centers per capita were all the metrics that they used to determine which states would be the best places to have a baby. So without further ado, the top 10 places to have a baby, please do not, do not come at us with this. You know, don't mad. <laughs> I'm just, this is the New York Times. So go after them. If they, if y'all don't agree with this list, you're going to list them one to 10. Number yeah, one, one to 10. 10. Yep. One to 10. Okay. So the best places, number one is Massachusetts. Number two is Minnesota. Three is the D.C., four is New Hampshire, five is Vermont, six is North Dakota, seven is Connecticut, eight is Washington State, nine is New York, and ten is Hawaii. That's interesting because six out of the ten are in New England. Exactly. And I, I think that makes sense because their, their but that's also because is on point. Pristine. It is. All right. And, and then... You know, and then before before I do that, let's do the worst places too. So the worst places, so the, the bottom ten include number. So let me start from the top. So forty two is North Carolina. Sorry, Dr. Chris. Forty three is Georgia. Forty four is West Virginia. Forty five is Oklahoma. Forty six is Nevada. Forty seven is Arkansas. Forty eight is Louisiana. Forty nine is South Carolina. Sorry, Amy Joe. And 50 is Alabama, and 51 is Mississippi. I beat you, Amy Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so what do y'all think about that listing and your thoughts? This also goes, um, that list is actually eerily similar to the, um, the education status by state. Because when you when you think about the the ranking of states based on education, reading level, things of that nature, it's actually eerily exactly similar. Because you had Mississippi at the very bottom, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're also the very bottom. They're also 50, 51 out of fifty one in terms of education level. Um, 
So this list very much so mirrors that, but that also comes with a lot of other social economic things that come with that. Mm-hmm. Because with lack of education, with lack of resources comes, you know, it, it comes a lot of, a lot of things, a, a lot. <laughs> exactly. I'm not, I'm not from, nor do I live in either one of those states. I feel like both the state that I'm from and where I live didn't make the list for good or bad. I guess we just hanging out in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like Cali, North Florida has been has been highlighted, but that's as I guess I shouldn't speak too much as someone who is not from there, nor do I work there. But I could I could see that. So I I kind of you know I you know going with that I I was not surprised to see a lot of the states from the south in the bottom ten, um, just because you know with the recent news that we've been dealing with in terms of uh, women's health and um, you know it was I. I was not surprised to see those, those states in there. And then in terms of like health outcomes for, you know, the South, it's the South is almost always in the bottom 10 of any, any list that we have seen projected out there, which I don't know that that could be a contribution to like what Dr. Sunshine said about education um, rates and whatnot. But I, I feel like this is more than coincidence to keep seeing that those states are listed in the bottom 10 for that. So but I, I do have thoughts on that, but it's all of my thoughts coming from a public health perspective because we study this. Well, I just you know? also think it's access to care, right? Like, and, and again, a lot of the blue states, they give more services, right? You have insurance to do certain things, right? So it's, so then it's, it's easier to get all of these services, right? And mm-hmm. in other states where they don't really, that's not that much of importance, it's going to be harder, right, to get that. If you don't have that social economic status, you're not, you tend to have worse or worse outcomes. I almost said worse or y'all. I'm sorry. That's not <laughs> but I heard it. You heard it, right? I almost, I almost fully said it, but I have said it. But anyway, um, that's kind of, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a, it's really, it's a complicated thing because there's so many different things that are involved. It's not just one thing. I agree. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm with Dr. Sunshine, like, you know, this is a a public health crisis, right? It's a socioeconomic crisis. Um, and of course, for minorities, particularly black women, it is a it is a public health crisis, regardless of, you know, socioeconomic status. So, mm-hmm. you know, the hard part is that, as always, you know, for black women, you can't make enough money not to, you know, have the worst of outcomes. And so uh, in the you know, the, the Southern states, which have just kind of consistently dragged the rear in education and health outcomes. It's not, it's not a surprise. Do you believe there's a politics component that plays into this or not? Well, yeah, you know, it's always been, it's always manipulated by a policy, right? Policy, policy manipulates just about everything um, as it relates to, you know, how to get funding, to health systems, um, particularly health systems that are uh, targeted to, you know, to be, you know, give services to the underserved populations or the people that have the least amount of resources. That's always a funding issue, which is what makes it a public policy, public health issue. So we have not treated, we don't treat healthcare from a, a maintenance standpoint, you know, they, they ding us to death 
on whether or not we're doing maintenance, but the rest of society as a whole does not think about their health care for preventive maintenance and, you know, how to improve outcomes through just overall wellness. And so we're just, we're always good in crisis, but, you know, crises are bad to have in pregnancy and labor because mm-hmm. they will result in death very quickly. So mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me. I also want to bring up something here, uh, just something we haven't touched on. So there is a calculation here. I'm sure no, no doesn't have it. But um, in the United States as a whole, we actually have a really bad number of doctors per capita ratio. It's really bad. We're actually in a doctor shortage, but we can't get more doctors because of how residency slots are set up, Medicare, Medicaid. I won't bore y'all either way. So in the United States, we actually do not have enough doctors for our population. It just so happens that when you go into the New England area, they have more doctors per capita for their population in that region. So for example, if you were to go to Connecticut or Massachusetts, there's doctors everywhere. And the population in Massachusetts and in Connecticut is not that large versus like, and what's interesting, one example I do want to put in here is there's a reason why Texas is not on this list because Texas is not in the bottom 10, are they? They're not, right? They're not, no. So Texas recently had a push because Texas realized that they were really, really low on doctors and Texas did this push. I don't know how they did it, but Texas basically was like, look, we're going to incentivize any Texan who wants to be a doctor to stay in Texas. It's almost to the point where for you to come from somewhere else and get a license in Texas, you got to almost give up your firstborn child Mm -hmm. because they're like, because they decided to tailor everything to keeping Texan doctors in Texas and they've increased their numbers, which increases access It increases resources and they've done their best. Now, do they have a problem at the top in terms of policymaking? Of course they do because it's still Texas, but their doctors per capita is a lot better than all the all the other southern states because when you think about rural alabama rural georgia rural mississippi there's nothing there's nothing there. it's, it's rough it's 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 rough it's even it's not even great when you go to like bigger cities in alabama you know what i mean like let's say you're in birmingham like yeah it's a little better but it's still not like you're not overflowing with doctor choices. Yeah. Like it's still like, you know, yeah. I mean, even in my state, in my clinic, like I have some patients that drive 45 minutes to come to right. clinic. It's exactly. It's a change in access and resources. So I think that that has a big deal. You know, we're not even talking about lifestyle diet, trying to, you know, healthy habits from, from birth. We're not even talking about that. We're just talking about access. So it's just different. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. you bring a really good point. And that's, that definitely does make a difference. Because we do have shortages of doctors. We got shortages of nursing. You know? Yeah. Like, it's it's everywhere. And it's crazy. So, to end this on a good note, if you want to... <laughs> sorry, I feel like the topics I choose are very, like, dark. And I'm, I'm sorry for that. But it's just things I find interesting. But to end this on a good note, you know, like we said, I, can't, I think the theme for the last talk was just more of, uh, you know, again, you know, the changes come from the top. And then with that, we need to change the people that are at the top. So make sure you get out and register to vote, which is coming up very soon. So be sure you do that. And that is my conclusion for the trending topics. For the main topic for today which I actually don't have too much to say about it. It might actually be pretty quick, but because I have co-hosts here, of course, we like to exchange our thoughts and do all that good stuff. We're going to be talking about concussions today. And my concussion talk is going to be 
pretty concise because I'm going to tell you guys what you need to know. The reason why I want to talk about concussions is that I feel like everybody and their mama has hit their head on something before. <laughs> and after somebody hits their head, their first question is, oh, my God, am I? Should I see the doctor? I didn't go to the emergency room. Like, no one knows, like, if they should go to the emergency room, when they should go to the emergency room. Am I dying? Am I not? Nobody knows. So I feel like it's going to just have an overall talk about, or you take your kid to a football game, your kid gets hit really hard in the football game. Now you're the concerned parent, like, oh my God. It's, you know, it comes up all the time, all the time. So I think we should talk about concussions and just what to expect, especially once you've had a concussion. I'm sure somebody listening has had a concussion and they're like, and they can probably, they're probably like not in their head, like, yep, doc, you're right. I've had one because the recovery is also not quick. You don't recover from a concussion within a day. Like that's not how it works. So let's talk about it. So first I want to give y'all some background numbers just to kind of let you guys know, like about concussions period. So about 3.8 million events of concussion occur annually. And concussions mainly happen for three top reasons. Number one, falls, which I feel like is one that people don't really think about, but it's actually the number one reason. You trip, you fall, boom, hit your head. Old people trip, fall, hit their head. That's just number in one. Their heads. They always, <laughs> they always fall, hit their head. Anyone who's even little kids kind of wobbly fall, boom, hit the head. <laughs> so number one is falls. After that, then you have um, blunt head trauma. That's the medical way that we say basically you got knocked upside the head. You got hit by something or by someone. Wow. Gotcha. And then number three. <laughs> and then number three is. <laughs> y'all don't like my wow. I love, wow. I love, I love it. I love the sound effect. I'm <laughs> so like, tickled. Oh, did you see the Trump got hit? Yeah, exactly. Like, right. Hey, there he goes. Bro. And it is here. Wow. Yup. There it, it is. Right. Uh, bro, you okay? And then you laugh behind your back. Dying oh, laughing. Exactly. But you know who had a concussion, though? What was it? Nate Robinson? In that fight, oh, slow down, Def. You got on basketball shoes, man. That's not, that's not funny. That's not funny. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, continue. Sorry, my bad. We're, we're and the number three reason the number three reason is because of car accidents. People have concussions after car accidents, uh, falls, head trauma, car accidents. Those are pretty much the top three. You know, of course, there's other reasons of ways you can hit your head, but those are the main ones that come to the emergency room, come into our offices. So 25% of these are going to definitely occur during sporting activities. So it's definitely really common for those to happen. A quick note about sporting activities. So women are actually more prone to concussions than men. Hmm. But the thing is, is that I know, right? But the thing is, is that number one, women tend to have milder concussions. So usually they're dealt with at the time, like, you know, a sports physician, no biggie. So men tend to have more severe concussions and their concussions usually come from player on player contact. Mm. So usually when women have a, con- when women have a concussion, it's usually because like in volleyball, they went for a dive and hit their head on the surface or they hit their head on equipment, like while they're doing gymnastics and stuff. So they hit their head on other things, but men usually have like severe person on person. We knocked heads football type of concussions, which are really, really bad. All right. So if you hit your head and things and you're like, all right, I need to see someone. I need to see a physician. What's going on? In general, whenever you see a medical professional, we have guidelines, we have assessment tools, and we have exams that we're going to do on you to kind of figure out what's going on here. Is it severe? All that stuff. So before we get into that, if you hit your head, I'm going to describe to you guys the symptoms that you might experience, which would mean that you likely have a concussion after you just got knocked. Okay. Okay. So one thing I do want to say this before I give you guys these list of symptoms. This is really important, right? 
because a lot of these symptoms of concussions can be confused with other things. So that's so true. Listen, Mm y'all. So listen, y'all, I need y'all not to shake your head at me. Don't shake your head at me. But in order for us to call a concussion, call this a concussion, you do need to be hit in the head by something. Yes. (laughs) That seems really basic. That seems really, really basic. But it's like a requirement. Like you need to have been struck in the head because a lot of these other symptoms can also present like a stroke or it could present like other things that can cause you to feel off. So number one requirement, you need to have been struck in the head. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Now the symptoms. (laughs) So usually people have confusion, delayed physical reactions, delayed verbal responses, difficulty concentrating. They could be really disoriented. They won't know where they are, the day, the month, the year, you know, that kind of thing. They also could have a loss of consciousness. They can faint after they've been hit and they come back. They could feel nauseous. They could have ringing in the ear, feeling of fogginess. They could have light sensitivity. That means when they're around bright lights, it makes their head hurt. They can also have headaches. They can have blurry vision. They can be dizzy. It, the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And the reason why the list, the reason why I said you have to be hit in the head or struck is because as you can tell, these symptoms sound like other symptoms we've talked about in other episodes mm-hmm. for different things, right? So if you're struck in the head and you start having any of these symptoms, more than likely you have a concussion. <laughs> you have been concussed. That, that, that's what's happening here. Now, one thing that I really want to bring up before we start talking about like expectations, treatments, all the stuff like that. If you are ever like out in the world, if you fall, if you're at a sporting event and you are struck or even after a car accident, the main thing that we need to do, we as in like a medical professional or the emergency room or like the EMS when they show up, we need to make sure that you don't have a spine injury. And if you do possibly have a spine injury, which is mainly like, you know, back pain, inability to move your limbs, things like that, then no one is supposed to touch you and no one is supposed to move you until the emergency ambulance comes and they need to put you on a stretcher and take you to a hospital. That type of thing. Nine times out of 10, if people have a concussion or just struck their head on something, usually that's not the case. Usually it's not that hard, but I just need to put that caveat in there because that's very important. Because if you have a spinal cord injury, you just need to go to the emergency room. That's- Please. Mm-hmm. It's one of those one of those straight things there. Please don't refuse emer- uh, EMS uh, transfer. We get a lot of that. Mm-hmm. There's lots of car accidents that happen here in the city that I'm in, in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I get, I see a lot of them- um, you know, two weeks later, uh, telling me about the accident, you know, telling me the, the mechanism of action. And I'm like, dang, why weren't you, why didn't you go to the emergency room? And they're like, well, EMS tried to take me, but I just, I decided that I, I did, I felt okay. You will have adrenaline flowing at the time of your injury. So you cannot depend on, do you feel good right now while someone's asking? Like if you have hit your head, you've hurt, hit your back, if you turned your neck the wrong way, anything like that, then you, you should let them take you to the emergency room because I often get people two weeks later, can't, you know, look at bright lights, are having headaches, got these glasses on because my office light is giving them a headache going, oh my God, what's going on? What's happening? And I'm more than happy to do the imaging, but most likely you have a concussion, but it would have been nice to document your concussion right after your accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am trying to figure out whether I want to go to exam first or CT scan indication. So let's talk about the exam first, right? So you hit your head really hard. You go in to see a doctor. Let's say you hit your head hard at home. You come in and see one of us, me, Amy, Joe, or Chris. You ain't seeing Dr. No-No unless it got real bad uh-huh. and you got admitted. So you ain't seeing Dr. No-No, no way. Let's say you come in and see one of us. 
right? So the first thing we're going to do, we're going to take your history, right? If you are able to really give us a history. And the main thing that we're likely going to do is do a neuro exam. So we do certain exams in office that help to tell us whether your brain is functioning properly. That's the whole purpose of these exams. Some of them, we're going to ask you to like, you know, follow our finger. We're going to check your reflexes. We're going to make sure you can feel things. Is your strength okay? We're going to do all these different exams to let us know, hey, is there something major happening with the brain right now? Like, because if the answer is yes, we're going to send you to the hospital. <laughs> and if the answer is no, then we're going to talk to you about what the management is going to be going forward. So whether you see us in the office or whether you go to the emergency room, number one, they're going to do a neuro exam. Number two, they're going to do an assessment. Most people use something called the Glasgow Coma Scale. You don't need to remember that. All that means is there's some type of checklist. And if your numbers are low enough, as in if your concussion is severe, then that means yes or no, you may or may not need a CT scan and other workup and things like that. So those are those are the main things that we're going to do. And we're also going to make sure you know where you are. Do you know what city you're in? Do you know today's date? Who's the president? Do you know your name? Do you know these things? Are you all right or not? Nah? <laughs> yeah. So so this basically gets us to the main question that every patient wants to ask you. And it gets into the main question of why, why patients yell at people in the emergency room is because patients always feel like they need to get a CT scan of their head. They always feel like, hey, yo, doc, I went to the emergency room because I hit my head and they didn't even do a CT scan. They didn't even scan me. Like, and then it's this whole thing, yelling at the ER doctors about <laughs> why didn't you CT scan me? Like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? I've had patients when I was in the emergency room, they're like, hey, so listen, man, you don't need a CT scan. You're good. You can go. And they're like, what do you mean? I just got here. I'm like, I know, but you, you're good, bro. <laughs> right. You can go. So, so there's actually, oh, go ahead, Amy Joe. You know, I think people, they just, they feel accomplished. If you've like taken a picture of something, they're like, okay, exactly. I got a good checkout. How many times do people come in the office like, hey, I just feel like something's wrong. You know, I'm just here to get some imaging. Like, image what? Like, what do you want me to image? Like, <laughs> We cannot just be out here radiating your your brain and your body because, you know, you had accidents. Some of it really can be clinical. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. think that because you see something on image and that, okay, that's it. Then that means that's, I got something. But it's, the image doesn't necessarily, might not even really mean anything. <laughs> and some of y'all, some of y'all out there, irresponsible people will do an image and they'll be like, oh, that's why. I'm like, no, man, that's old. You didn't have that for a minute. Right. Like, listen, right. <laughs> I know that we I know we got this thing here, but the radiologist said that's been here for at least 10 years. So that's not it. I mean, I know I know it's there. I see we see it, but that's that's not why you're here today. <laughs> yeah. So, OK, this is really important that I want to convey to to the listeners. So in regards to getting a CT scan. So every emergency room you go to, they're going to have their own criteria as to why or if you need a CT scan of your head. Now, I'm going to give you the most basic of criteria, which most people follow, and it's been updated over the last two to three years, and it changes like every year. Here are the requirements, okay? If you got knocked over the head and you lost consciousness, then that means like, okay, they want you to have number one, lost consciousness and one of the following to to occur. You have a headache, you have extreme vomiting, you're over the age of 60, you were on drugs or alcohol at the time, you had a seizure or you have some signs of a coma or some type of like neurological dysfunction. By neurological dysfunction, I mean, when we did your exam in the office, 
we found something as in like your eyes aren't working correctly. You're, you lost weakness in your arm. You have, you know, like some, something that we noticed on the neuro exam. If you don't have that weakness on neuro exam or any signs of skull fracture or any of the other stuff I mentioned, you're likely not going to get a CT scan. You're not. They want you to have loss of consciousness and one of the following. Mm-hmm. So for the most part, if this happened to you, you got hit in the head, lost consciousness, and you're over 60, yeah, you're getting a CT scan. They're going to scan you, bro. Like, you're old, older, excuse me, older. <laughs> <laughs> you're older, you'll get it. But, like, if you're young, healthy, hit your head, and you didn't lose consciousness, then fine. The other criteria, which they will consider it, is if you have post-traumatic amnesia. Basically, that means that you got hit in the head really hard and now you can't remember anything. Memory is really fuzzy. They want you to have that plus one of the things I've already listed. So it's not like you can just have one of you can't just have one of these things. And there and the reason why it's like this, to be honest with y'all, you know, I keep real with y'all. I keep a jiggy. They're really making this criteria the way that it is because they want for one of these things to be a sign that we observe as a doctor and the one of them to be what you were telling us because anybody can walk into a emergency room and be like, Oh, I can't remember nothing. Like, Oh, I can't remember. I can't, I don't know. I don't remember anything, but then you have to meet one of these other criteria of something that we see on a test or something that we witnessed in the office in order for you to get the CT scan. Point is not everybody gets the CT scan. So everybody who bumps their head and y'all go to the ER and y'all mad that y'all got charges ER visit, (laughs) Like they're like, you know how much they charge me to go to the ER, and they ain't even do a CT scan. They ain't even do nothing. Like, guys, it doesn't work like that. So, it doesn't work like that. So I'm I'm glad Dr. Sunshine actually picked up this topic because as soon as she told us we were doing something on concussion, I immediately thought of. So I, again, you guys already know I'm from Michigan. Um, I I go hard for my Wolverines. And there was a specific game where that is the textbook definition of concussion. And it was filmed on live television. It was the game between Rutgers on October 3rd, uh, 2014. And our quarterback was Shane Morris. Literally got hit super hard. Um, I think they uh, fumbled the ball, got super hard, hit, and just like stumbled off the field. Like it was so obvious that this kid had a concussion. And the player, the coach, and the athletic director did not take him out of play. So there, people were actually calling for them to fire the coach at the time, who was Brady Hoke, because it was so like it was so obvious that this kid had a concussion, yet they were still allowing him to play. That it was just it was just ridiculous. So all the things that Dr. Sunshine is saying in this talk, if you want to see that in live action. Go YouTube that game and you will see it, you know, firsthand. Like it is, it is ridiculous, but you know, it's like amazing at the same time that they would even let this kid go back out onto the field. That kid needed a CT scan for sure. (laughs) So it's interesting that Dr. Nono brings this up because the reason why we have all these criteria and things in place is because of situations like that. And I will also take this time to say that the worst thing that can happen to you when you get a concussion is for you to then get another concussion. And Amy Jo yeah. might be able to talk about this. She was, she was also a, a you know college athlete. But if you are actively recovering from a concussion, which means that you have inflammation and everything going on in your brain, if you suffer another hit on top of that current concussion, that has like horrible implications for you long-term in terms of your brain health. Like mm. it's, it's drastic, it's drastic. It's career ending for some athletes. Um, yeah, it is. I have seen or observed athletes like 
you know, get hit, have a concussion, and they want to, um, you know, get back to just get back to their sport. I get it. They want to get back as soon as possible. So they kind of fib a little bit on the recovery. You're doing all right. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Any Brighton high? Nah, no brightness. Get back in a, a game and, you know, Murphy's Law in full effect. Get hit again, right? And and then you discover, like, well, their concussion, hadn't they hadn't fully recovered the first time from the concussion. Now this is the second one. It, you know, it is it is the difference between you getting the complete all, you know, your letterman years or them just retiring you out because no one has time to play with your brain like that. And and some of them like have dull symptoms then for, for long, for years where they're like, I just Mm -hmm. don't feel as sharp. You know, I just feel a little bit fuzzy. All right. Like my focus is a little off, you know, my head still hurts, you know, after a while. It's just like, Oh no, it's just the worst. Yeah. It's really bad. So in terms of like when the concussion happens, there's some expectations I want you guys to know. So we already talked about the risk of getting a second concussion. That's huge. People need to know about that. You also need to know that the recovery from your concussion is going to be longer if number one, if your symptoms are really severe during the one you just had, the more severe the symptoms, the longer the recovery. The second thing is if you have a history of concussions in the past, then your concussion recovery is also going to take longer. Another thing is that contrary to what Nono was talking about happened in 2014, as of now, if you're an athlete and you get a concussion, there's a concussion protocol and you can't return to play. You got to be cleared before you can come back on the field because of all the things that have happened in the past, because of CTE, because of all of this stuff that's happened in the last 10 years. And then the next thing that you need to know is that from the moment you get a concussion, either your sports physicians or your primary care doctor is going to be doing like serial assessments of you. Like your primary care doctor might have you come back in a week or two weeks and see how you're doing. I've done this with multiple, mind you, my patients in the Bay were young, wild and free. They come with concussions all the time. They'd be doing all types of stuff. They'd be skiing in Tahoe. They'd be doing a lot anyway, but you have to come back in and get serial assessments because we have to like, you know, keep track of where you're at and if you can still, you know, do what you're supposed to do, because ultimately for for real guys, ultimately the treatment for the concussion that you have is you're supposed to get cognitive rest and physical rest. Mm-hmm. That's what you're supposed to do. And that's the hard and part. Even, and, yeah. That's the, that's the hard part. It's like, you're, you're not supposed to play any sports. You're not supposed to be too stressed or thinking too hard. And you can't even have a bunch of screen time. And that's the main thing that gets people too is the people who aren't athletes is the screen time. I need you to stop looking at these screens. Like you need to get off your cell phone. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you, if you code, if you work for Google, right. And you're in tech and you look at a computer all day, you can't do that when you've had a concussion. Rest. And that is the hard part because we, I, I feel like we, you talked about like, you know, this is going to take a while to recover. I get, you know, the not, you know, the weekend warriors that, or the people who had the car accident, they're coming in, you know, they've been having symptoms for about three weeks, but you realize like they had an accident on a Friday over the weekend, they were seen in the emergency room. They saw you a few days later, you told them they had a concussion and it's supposed to get better. And they're coming back week four, week five. And they're like, my symptoms have not, my symptoms have not gotten any better. Their physical body said it was okay to return to work. And now you realize they've been at work. They're sitting at screens all day. Um, they are, you know, then looking at their phones all day. These eyes are not getting any rest. This brain is overloaded and they, and their headaches, I feel like almost worse than, when they first had the concussion, like they just got chronic, yep. like headaches that are, you know, never ending vision changes, fuzziness, they're irritable, like all kind of stuff. And I'm just like, you've got to go home and do nothing. 
Yeah, yeah. and they hard. get tired easily. It's hard. They get super fatigued. It's hard because it's like now you're telling me that I can't think. Like I think every day. Now I have to like <laughs> not think, right? And it's just like, what? How am I mm-hmm. supposed to do that, right? How, and it's it's hard because it's like you really have to just not do anything. And if you're not yep. used to that, it's like. I mean, going back to like the beginning of this talk where we, you know, talk about like the apocalypse happened and the, you know, internet shut down, that'd probably be the only time we would ever say, like, oh, well, I guess we can't go on to Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Um, but I mean, it's just so ingrained. It's a part of our everyday lives that it's really hard to just, you know, put your phone down and just not do anything, you know? So mm-hmm. it's. It's, it's asking a lot, but, you know, again, this is preventing long-term injury and complications later on down the line by asking you to take a rest after you've had a concussion because we're, we're talking about your brain here and we want it to heal and get back to 100%. And we, it can't do that if you're constantly on, you know, social media or checking your email or on the internet or just like, you know, having that constant um, relay of information to you um, when at that time you should be getting some rest. So I'm gonna be real with y'all, keeping it jiggy. I am I'm not the I'm not the super strict doctor, but I'm also not the super lenient doctor when it comes to like notes for work and stuff. But if I see you and I evaluate you and you have a concussion, I have written beautiful notes for patients for them to take to their jobs and then to the point where they can get paid time off. And I'm just like, listen, because here's the thing, especially if you have a let's say you have a patient. A young working professional like us, ambitious, young black woman, right? Has a car accident. She has a concussion, right? She's probably going to say, Doc, I know I have this concussion, but I have a big PowerPoint presentation in front of a lot of people on Monday. Like a lot of people are resting on me and I need to get this done. And then it becomes like this toggling of like, you know, or, or I even had a patient who was trying to go against my advice. And I'm like, listen, you really need to like, because we can't tell patients what to do. We can advise you, but I'm not your, you know, I can't control you. Right. But like, and they'll tell you, they're like, doc, I tried to give a PowerPoint presentation, but they have trouble with word fighting, right? Yeah. When you're, when you're trying to do a presentation, you can't think of a word. It's like, or you think of the word, but your mouth won't say it. It's just hard. Like your brain's not running on all cylinders. So you can't do these presentations. You can't look at these screens. You can't do it because you're stressing your brain out. You just got to relax. You just got to relax. And, 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 I, and I get it. People have a lot riding on other people. And I just got to write that note for work and you'll get the paid time off. But someone else has got to step up to the plate. And I've had this conversation multiple times. And I feel like people who work in, in you know, Different industries have different stressors, but long story short, everybody has to take a step back. You got to take a break from work. You got to take a break from the screens. And on top of that, you have to reintroduce things slowly. And that's the main problem, to be real. That's the problem with millennials. Millennials and Gen Z, they are not patient at all. I'm like, listen, you got to take this slow and you introduce things slowly and you have to master something before you go to the next thing. You can't just go from laying on the couch for one day and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to jump into this. I got this like PowerPoint presentation <laughs> on Monday, bitch. Like, no. That's not <laughs> right. You're going to crash and burn. It's not. And, and on top of that, I have to set hardcore expectations for them because I'm like, listen, let's talk about post-concussion syndrome. Let's just talk about it. It's split into three categories. One third of people can recover quickly. And by quickly, I mean 72 hours to two weeks. That's considered quick recovery from a from a concussion. OK, so a third of people within two weeks, they'll be good. The other third of people is going to take up to three months. And then if you have severe symptoms and you've had concussions before, it can take six months or longer. 
for you to really be back to your baseline. So let's not be out here telling people that like, well, not, I mean, us, I guess that's for us, the doctors. Most people are not going to recover from a concussion in like a day. It just doesn't work like right. that. Like you're going to need at least two weeks for you to be on it. And that's if you're even in that third that recovers quickly. Right. So let's, let's keep it all in perspective. You get no pushback from me because I have seen concussions go wrong where people have felt like they've got to go back to work, right? Like they, they called their boss, they told their bosses what happened and their boss said, well, you can take, you know, sick, sick leave, but um, they don't have any, they don't have two weeks of sick leave left. And so like, well, I had to go back to work. It almost never fails. I'm going to see those people back a little bit later and they're going to have all these weird chronic symptoms where they just never recovered. And I feel like the people who do not take the time to recover still end up losing the time on the back end because you just get so sick that you have no choice but to just not work. Cause you can't work because yep. your head is pounding all the time and you're, and it just, you know, staring at things all day makes your vision funny. And so um, it's, it's interesting because concussions are tricky because their bodies can work, right? You know, the body is healed. You're not bruised. Like you can physically go in and do stuff, but you're gonna hit a wall quickly if you did not take the time to recover. I have even had y'all, I've been in the oddest situations. I have even had patients come in with their kids and the kid has a concussion and the parents are asking me to write a note to clear the kid. And I'm like, mm -mm. that's not going to happen. This kid has a concussion. And then they'll be like, but Doc, you know, he's 17. He has a game on Saturday. The recruiters are going to be there. Big college is going to be there. How's he going to go to Oregon? How's he going to go to USC? How's he going to, and it's all this like, and you know, and that's like one of those situations where you're looking at the parent and you're like, number one, you're not going to bully me into doing anything. I'm the doctor. Let's be real here. Like, you, yeah. you, it's just not going to happen. But then number two, it also you have to walk a fine line because you have this parent who is so adamant about not making a good decision for their child. And the kid's a minor, you know? So it's kind of like you're, you're advocating for the, for the child because the child is my patient. The, the adult is not my patient. The child is my patient. So I've had to have some tough conversations. Like, look, this kid has a concussion. He plays football. He barely even walks straight right now. I'm not writing this note and he can't go to the game. Or if he does go to the game and gets to know it, it won't be for me. So I don't like it. Right. It's, Find it's somebody rough. else that'll write that note. Because everybody's not everybody's today. everybody's always yeah everybody's always thinking about the opportunities they're gonna miss if they don't do it. Mm -hmm. You know the opportunities will represent themselves, but the issue is that you need to think about long term. Um, that is something that we are not very good at as just people in general. But you know if your kid does not make it to this game now, there that opportunity will represent itself, but. If you force him to play in a game where he is not mentally and physically ready, that, you know, increase the risk for further injury. And then he won't perform at or he or she, sorry, won't perform at the next opportunity that presents itself. So, you know, that's what we need to be as, you know, uh, you know, parents and patients we need to be focusing on because, you know, we want to perform at 100 percent. And if you're not going to give them the opportunity to rest and have that, you know, that. Uh, opportunities to do so, then there's going to be a lot of issues further on down the line. So, yeah. So as a quick summary to this segment, I told you guys it was short, nice and sweet. So a quick summary for this is if you're out somewhere, either you fall, hit your head in a game, car accident, hopefully not a car accident, but if you hit your head and you hit your head really hard, you should see a medical professional. Nine times out of 10, you could probably see us in the office. But if for some reason you had loss of consciousness, amnesia, really, really disoriented, you could head straight to the emergency room. If you're in the emergency room and they say you don't need a CT scan, at least you know why you may not get one. 
But, you know, if you have those list of symptoms that I said, and then if you are, you know, if you had loss of consciousness and if you are having memory problems, you should get a CT scan. But at least you guys are armed with the knowledge of maybe why you got one or why you didn't. Um, and, you know, just be patient with yourself if you do have a concussion. It's really, y'all, listen, it's really uncomfortable. It takes a while to recover, but you're not going to die. I promise you'll be okay. But you guys just have to be patient with yourselves and let your body run its course and just be nice to yourself. Be patient with yourself and you should be all right. Hey, I think this was good. I also it wanted to mention um, that, you know, a concussion is a clinical diagnosis. It's not like I'm doing a scan and I see that you have a concussion. It's based on what I see clinically, like how you present yep. and all of that. Because mm -hmm. some people get on this whole, like, they need the imaging. They need to see that it shows that. But the imaging doesn't tell me if you have, like, a concussion. It's based on everything in my exam findings that lets me know that you do right and right. then also yeah. some medications can make your concussion symptoms worse like if you're on those uh, benzodiazepines like your valium mm. you know or your xanax those kind of medications can make the symptoms worse and take longer for you to recover you're correct. I tell them no alcohol yes, too. Exactly. <laughs> they don't. Worse. They don't. They don't like that. They don't like that. And for, like, love, listen. for the love of God, if you are on a blood thinner, you need to let your doctor know because that is definitely another thing that we need to know before we order or not order that CT scan. So blood thinner being like warfarin, um, uh, Eliquis, uh, any of those, uh, Zarelto, Um Again, those are all very important things to know. Um, when we're assessing you for a concussion. So if you're on a blood thinner and you hit your head, you need to go to the emergency room. Yes. Make sure you're not exactly. bleeding. Don't even see me. Don't even see me. Oh. Go to the emergency yeah, room. Please. You're on a blood yes. thinner and hit your head. You're going to emergency room. I gotta make sure you're not bleeding. Some people think it's like taking an aspirin or something, but no, if you lose consciousness and you are on a blood thinner, you need to go directly to the ER. Like that is no question whatsoever. And they will scan your head, no doubt. So that is just <laughs> Again, this will be all in my like hospitalist talk at some point, but for sure, this definitely aligns with Dr. Sunshine's um, uh, position on concussions. If you're on one of those medications, you need to take your butt to the ER and you know get checked out. So the last, the last thing, the last thing that I will add, just a little thing, just because I don't know why it popped into my head. Maybe because no, no mention hospital, and maybe think about fall precautions. Either way, if if there's an older person in your life and you love them dearly, and you know that they're a little shaky. You know what I mean? Just make sure the older people have what they need, canes, walkers, stuff. Make sure if you visit your grandma, grandparents, that they don't have like rugs that are overturned, mm -hmm. stuff that'll make them trip because they're the main ones that are falling. They're the main ones that are falling and hitting their head on things. Yeah, so, they falling. Just, oh, yeah. just a little caveat to, you know, watch out for the older folks because it's not all just the young kids playing football. Like that's not all the falls. It's actually the older people. And you know, the baby boomers are getting older now and that's our biggest population cohort now. So they do fall. shout out. They, do fall. they fall all the and time. So shout out, shout out to the old folks. And Thank then you. they come to the appointments and they be like, Oh yeah, I felt like last week. It's fine. Doc. Yes. Oh, I do that all the time. It's fine. Did you hit your head? Not a little bit, but I'm fine. I have to no. <laughs> Tell me more. What happened? You're old. They Why always say it that? on the slide. They always make it like, oh, it's okay. Oh, yeah, and I had this big gash on my head, but you know, it's fine now. Yes. Like, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> like, mm, oh, is oh, it though? Is it fine? Uh, no, maybe. No. No. I got to, I got to, I got to work this up. I can't. You're old. I can't, I can't do this. You're old. I can't do this. <laughs> 
You're old. You're sweet. I know you think it's fine. It's, it's not really fine. Not. It's I'm not just going to bring this up. <laughs> no, I guess. All right. Questions. All right. So I got my first question. Okay. So good day, MDs. I was scrolling through TikTok University and stumbled upon a doctor, (laughs) I guess, who has several videos out about GLP-1 drugs designed to treat diabetes and weight loss. This was my first time hearing of these meds. Lots of comments supported the benefit of the drugs as well as how helpful it was during their weight loss journey. Question, can you share info about GLP-1 drugs along with the risk, benefits, side effects, etc.? Oh, the GLP ones. We have like a pseudo diabetes expert here. So uh, I say you know, pseudo. I say, I say pseudo because <laughs> listen, I, I love GLP ones. So okay, so GLP ones are a crop of, of new medications that have come up on the scene to help us control diabetes. That's what they were initially for. Recently, they also because they've had so much weight loss success. They've been rebranded for for weight loss. So um, for people who've never heard of a GOP-1, have you ever heard of uh, Trulicity or uh, Ozempic or Ribelsis or Victoza, Biduron, Bayetta? I think those are the ones that I've heard of. Then those are the GLP-1s. So we like them because they are not insulin but they are really good at lowering your blood sugars because they mimic another hormone that is actually called glucagon. So it's kind of like a, we call it glucagon-like peptide. And so it essentially mimics a process that is designed to make you use your insulin to bring your blood sugars down more without giving you medicines that are going to grossly increase, you know, synthetic insulin like we do when we give you hormones or medicines that are only designed to just make your pancreas pump out a bunch of insulin. We like these medicines because they also, some of them are also known to be cardioprotective. So they've been good protection for the heart. They also um, had an impact on the brains that you were, you were less hungry. So, and that you felt full quicker, right? So people get like decreased appetite sensation, like this decreased need to like graze, which a lot of people who are diabetic or people who are dealing with weight issues have, it was good to protect the heart. And it used a, a, a way to improve blood sugars that wasn't the same as dumping a bunch of, bunch of insulin in your system. I use Ozempic in my office all the time, and it has been very successful. Some of the catches is that most of them are injectables, with the exception of Ribelsis, um, which is an oral medication, which everybody, every insurance company does not cover. Uh, most of them are injectables, but they come in the injectable pen. So I think when people hear injectables, they think, oh, the doctor, where you see them like snapping the syringe, you know, <laughs> squirting the little liquid out before they inject you. The pins do not look like that. They literally look like um, like a writing pin almost, except when you take the cap off. There's a tiny little needle. So you get to dial it up to whatever dosage that you want and you administer it. It's, it's relatively easy. So if I can get people to to get over that it's an injectable, then it's fine. Some of these are, most of these are once a week injectables, but I think there is one in there where you have to inject it every day. We I try to avoid that because- 
think that's Victoza. Yeah, I think Victoza is the Trulicity is once a week for sure. Ozempic is once, once a week. week. Um, Victoza is daily, and then the Ribelsis is the oral medication that you take every day. Um, so we like it. So Ozempic has been out for a long time, but when they realized there was so much weight loss, they made what we call WeGovi. WeGovi is Ozempic for people who do not have diabetes, right? Because the the Ozempic is is designed for people who have diabetes and they happen to get significant weight loss. The Wegovi is a higher dosage of Ozempic that is specifically designed for people who need to lose weight. Um, the benefits is they're new. They are all the protections that I give you and they're very successful. Um, the disadvantage is they're new and they're expensive if you cannot get your insurance to cover it. So these are not medications that I generally recommend um, patients just uh, pay for out of pocket because they're going to run you some costs. But they're also um, coupon cards that the that the company themselves, you go to their website, they will have cards that say, hey, if you can't afford it, if your insurance company is not giving you the coverage that you want, you know, you should check us out. Some of the disadvantages is that they can cause a little bit of bloating and some nausea. Nausea is one of the biggest things. Like if people are going to have some side effects to it, it's going to be the the nausea that they're going to have. Now, some people thug it out, right? So I so some people I cannot get off of it. And they're like, I'm nauseous, but uh-uh, I'm sticking it with it because my blood sugars never look better and I'm 10 pounds lighter. And I'm like, but you're nauseous. Give it back. And they're like, no, you can't have it back. <laughs> like legit, like you cannot have it back. Like do not take it. So um, some of those are the benefits. So, um, and there, there, so that's the, the basics, right? This could be its own show. There are some disadvantages of people who cannot have it. I think people who've got a history of pancreatitis or pancreatic cancers or, um, risk of thyroid cancers, um, you all can't have this. I'm sorry. Can't do it. We got to go old school. Um, and I can't remember off the top of my head. This is literally me like rambling off. Like this is what I know, like in my brain right now, um, but yeah, I love those medicines. So I love the GLP ones. I use them all the time in my clinic. Um, I have seen people that I could not get controlled at all have success because I think that seeing the weight loss and seeing a little bit of change in the number, that success drives behavior patterns, which then triggers better lifestyle changes, which then complements the medicine. And so it becomes this amazing cycle of improvement. So I, I've got people on Ozempic now that have been diabetic or overweight for 10, 15, 20 years before I met them that are now having significant success. Like A1C yeah, is it's back like to positive, normal. It's a positive reinforcement cycle. Yeah. It's like, it's like the fact that they're trying to make a change. They're seeing the results of their change. They're trying, it's like a, it's a good reinforcement. Yeah. And more of them are covered now than than it was like maybe three or four years ago. Yep, I love it. I, I got nothing bad Definitely to say bad. about about those, and and I'm not paid by the pharmaceutical company, so I have nothing to disclose in this in this discussion. <laughs> this is not an ad. This, this is, is not, not an, an ad. ad. I have nothing to you disclose. Ask the question, listener. You and, ask the question. And that's that's an that's my answer. I don't know if anybody else has anything to to talk about that before I move on, but there it is. No, no, I co I co-sign. It's actually one of the medications that I'm starting to, and I feel like since we were trained at County, we've always kind of had that knee-jerk reflex, like, oh, metformin, oh, glipizide, because that's all we had. Mm-hmm. But then now that you work in other systems and insurances are covering different medications, we've kind of been able to expand our, our diabetes menu, yeah. our repertoire. So nice. And then and that it is nice. And then if we can get it covered and it works, 
you know, the GOP ones are dope. I, I agree yeah, I agree. Um, metformin is still the first line medication that you put people on, but a lot of people it do is. not tolerate metformin very well. So if we cover, if your insurance covers Trulicity, then it's like, hey, let's try that one, you know? Mm-hmm. And yep. it's really pretty good. And the cardiovascular benefit is really good. And it's funny, I literally had a talk with my PharmD the other day about the cardiovascular benefit. And I believe the cardiovascular cardiovascular benefit they tested was more so in secondary prevention, meaning that mm-hmm. you had a heart attack or you have some evidence yep. of cardiovascular disease and then it benefits that. But if you're putting it on if you're giving it to them for primary prevention, meaning that you haven't had a heart attack or evidence of cardiovascular disease, it's it hasn't been tested to work, but it kind of makes sense that it would, but they mm-hmm. haven't done studies mm-hmm. to prove that it has that benefit. Um, okay, so let me see. I got two questions here that are like time sensitive, so I'm gonna try to answer these quickly. I'm a woman in my mid-30s and I'm experiencing hair thinning over the last three to six months. Can you ladies let me know of any possibilities I should be aware of? I have a doctor's appointment coming up in two months. Oh my gosh, hair thinning can come from so many different things. Um, But just off the top of my head, I'll just randomly rant them off because we're short on time. So um, if you've had any changes in any of the hormones that you might be taking, any birth control changes, things like that, that can cause it. If you have any changes in your thyroid hormone, you should definitely get that checked. Have your doctor run that test. See if your thyroid hormone levels are off. Um, Any changes in stress, that can also cause changes in hair and hair loss and things. Um, What else? Let me think. Stress, birth control, hormones, thyroid. Um, Medications. Mm-hmm. Check your medication. See what, if there's any combination of that. You know, in this in this pandemic um, experience, y'all are sup- trying all kind of supplements and mixtures. And so I tell people like, you know, take you know your supplements are also the drugs that you're not considering, right? Because in people's minds, yeah, I take these medications, but then there's your supplements. Those are not drugs. They don't count. They do count. So you got to see, like, are you taking something that also may be causing it? I mean, it's such a a wide, varied thing that I think you're doing good to go ahead and roll up with the dermatologist to allow them to kind of walk through your personalized history to see if they can find a cause. Also, I would also say, like, are you putting chemicals in your hair? You know, like that depends to you. You know, sometimes if you color your hair, that can cause damage to your hair, thinning of the hair. You know, there's other things as well. You want to do one more? Sure. I feel like every other month my heart skips a beat. It's uncomfortable for about two seconds and then it goes away. Is this concerning? Thanks. <laughs> That's the question. That is the question. <laughs> oh, viewer. We no need... details, no nothing. That's all we got. Um, so we should, kinda... You should uh, feel at home. This is, this happens all the time in clinic. I know. So, I mean, it, it, you know, things that we're looking for is when your heart skips a beat, like, do you kind of feel short of breath are you having any chest discomfort um do you well, feel she said she was he or she said they were uncomfortable okay so with that then i would i would do like a basic workup so we get an ekg to kind of see what your heart like electrical rhythm is doing so if it skips a beat we need to make sure it's not like a beginning sign of like heart block which can be picked up on the ekg we would do some basic labs to see if there's some endocrine focus that could be causing your heart to skip a beat and then from there, you know, if you're in the outpatient setting, um, they may rec- consider referring you t- to do like what we call a um, an outpatient Holter monitor study to med- to actually 
record your heart rhythm over the course of a couple weeks to see if we can pick up this heartbeat on the monitor and to see if we need to tailor your treatment around that. So that's kind of where I would start with that. Hey, Dr. No, no, I love it. Mm-hmm. I would be like, I need more information before I even do any of that. I need, I need to know more. Like, <laughs> what are you doing when it's happening? Are you drinking coffee? Are you stressed? Like what's happening? Are you doing drugs? What is going on? I need more information. If it's happening every other month, is it every, there is a certain time, how consistent it is, how long does it last? I need more information. For me, the fact that you are having some discomfort when you're feeling these symptoms is going to, even though I want more information, it's going to still end in, you need a Holter monitor and we need some basic labs. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's most likely going to be the issue. So if you really are having a discomfort and it's happening more often, then you should absolutely see your primary care doctor to let them, you know, get your labs, put a referral in for you to see cardiology um, and, and go from there. The only other thing that we haven't mentioned is also with the lab work, they should probably see if you are, um, if you're anemic, if you have low blood levels, because in theory, whenever anybody comes in with this, I'm like, either it's your heart, it's something you're exposing yourself to, you're anemic or, your thyroid's out of whack. It's usually one of those four things all the time. And our job is to make sure it's not your heart. And if we do the Holter monitor, EKG, everything looks cool, then that means, all right, well, what are you doing? <laughs> are you doing drugs? Right. Are you stressed? Because at, at the end of the day. <laughs> are you anemic? Right. Like, are you anemic? Which hits really close to home to right. me because if your blood levels get too low, your heart does weird things. Listen. And right. <laughs> she knows. It does funky things. Um, or, or yeah, is your thyroid just a little off? Do you have like runs of palpitations? Like what's causing it? So yeah, it's a whole investigation, but Chris is right. We need more info, but no, no gave you the, the, the rock. No, no gave you the rock star workout. Right. That is what that's you would exactly be doing. it. But definitely you need to follow up on that. I definitely would. Cause we're going to investigate mm-hmm. and investigating meaning we're going to ask more questions and probably run some tests. <laughs> Agreed. All right, y'all. It's time for chocolate kisses. Chocolate kisses. All right, what we got? Favorite segment. I love this segment. It's great. Love this segment. Would you like to go? Would you like to go first? No, someone else go first. Oh wow! But you just loved it. Hi. No, no, no. It's cool. I need time to think of my chocolate kiss. So go ahead. Listen, I will give. I will give chocolate kisses. So my chocolate kisses will go to two things. Number one, it will go to Long Beach because I just moved here. And Long Beach has been very nice to me thus far. I love it here. It's diverse. It's dope. It's warm. It's beautiful. Shout out to Long Beach. And my other chocolate kiss will go to my fiance because I got engaged (laughs) since last episode. (laughs) I have a whole fiance. A whole one out here. A whole fiance. I wish y'all could see this rock that she has planted on her finger. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's too much. (laughs) So, I mean, I I, I feel like that that's worthy of a chocolate kiss. So absolutely, so <laughs> those are my chocolate kisses. Yeah, I feel like our kisses will be like. I know why kisses. we got to come behind right. those kisses, right? right. 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 Y'all wanted me to go first. Uh, that's y'all okay, fine. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> so my chocolate kiss goes to my loctician who has been absolutely there for me in these past ten years. I've been in Chicago. He always set me right, and I love you for that. So 
chocolate's good off to you. I wish I wish your lighting I wish your lighting was better in your room so I could actually see this bomb job that she oh, did. Girl. I, I know you, you don't you don't never have lights on. Your are pulled all the way up. It is tight. I am good for my photo session tomorrow, so we're good. Um, let's see what else. And yeah. I guess I don't know. I'm I'm I love fall, so I'm a Midwestern girl at heart. I always love like a Chicago fall and Michigan fall. And I love seeing the colors and everything and just like, you know, cuddling up with my apple cider and my coffee. Um, so I'm glad that the season is here and that people are kind of falling into the holiday season. And um, I can be with my family. I do, have, I do have now Christmas off this year, so I'm happy to be able to spend that time with them. So, yeah. My chocolate kiss goes to all of our listeners. We love you all. I love you guys. Aww. Thank you for listening to us. And I thought I was going to go last because I was going to make a dramatic effect because I was going to go last, but that's okay. But <laughs> but it's, it's, but it's okay. okay it's okay. Because that you gave, you gave Amy Jo, you gave Amy Jo an extra like, you know, 30 right, seconds. Right, to think yeah. what she was going to say, but I just want to say I love you guys. Thanks for listening. We couldn't do this without y'all. All right. My chocolate kiss goes to um, Mark, who y'all don't know who helped design our website. But because of him, we had bragging rights that when the world went down, <laughs> we still had a functioning website that was designed by um, Mark. So chocolate kisses to to Mark, our, our IT guy who designed our website. Uh, so shout out to him because we were like, yo, we're not down. Come see us. So chocolate kisses <laughs> to you, Mark. There you go. And shout out to Mark for answering all my stupid questions. I feel like I had to ask him so many questions. I'm like, I, feel like I should know more than this. So there you go. So if Instagram or Facebook ever goes down again, be sure to check us out on <laughs> www.thechocolatemds.com where you can send us your questions or also uh, comment on our social media. Um, we have links to our Facebook, our Instagram, and also our Twitter where our handle is at thechocolatemds. Um, please give us some Twitter love because we don't have that many followers on there. Um, Instagram and Facebook are good, but y'all, we have a Twitter account too. So be sure to follow us there. And yeah, um, check us out for updates on our upcoming episodes. And that's about it. All right, ladies and gents, we will see you guys in a couple of weeks. Guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.